Mackie has asked me to preach from 1 Samuel chapter 24. He wants us to understand that the patience of David in waiting for God to fulfill his promise and not trying to take it into his own hands, not trying to make it work, but trusting God to fulfill what he said. So this is 1 Samuel chapter 24. You can open your Bibles and follow it, but it may be a different version. You may just want to close your eyes and imagine it like you're watching television on the screen of your mind. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and to seek his men in front of the wild goat's rocks. And he came to the sheepfolds by the way where there was a cave and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now, David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave and the men of David said to him, look, Here's the day the Lord has said to you, Behold, I give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. And then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterwards, David's heart struck him because he'd cut off a corner of Saul's robe. The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and didn't permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Afterward, David also rose and went out of the cave and he called after Saul, My Lord, the King. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Look, David's seeking to do your harm. Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand. Someone told me to kill you. But I spared you. And I said, I won't put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, the corner of the robe, your robe is in my hand. For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and didn't kill you, now you know and you see there's no wrong or treason in my hands. I haven't sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you, and may the Lord avenge me against you but my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancients says, out of the wicked comes wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. And whom has the king of Israel come out after? Who am you pursuing? After a dead dog? After a flea? May the Lord therefore judge and give sentence between you and me. And see to it and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. As soon as David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, Is this your voice? 
my son David. And Saul lifted up his voice and he wept and he said, David, you're more righteous than I because you've repaid me good whereas I've repaid you evil. And, and you've declared this day how you've dealt well with me in that you didn't kill me when the Lord put me into your hands. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go safe? So may the Lord reward you. I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hand. Swear to me therefore by the Lord that you won't cut off my offspring after me and that you won't destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swore this to Saul. And then Saul went home but David and his men went to the stronghold. According to Hebrews chapter 11, which is, uh, as you will probably know, is a chapter all about men of faith, and it's about faith. In verse 32, David gets a mention. This is how he is mentioned. What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and of Samuel the prophets. That's his mention. Time forbids me to tell you about all these guys who lived by faith, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, and stopped the mouths of lions. I guess then, if we want to know what moved David, he obtained the promises by faith. He trusted God. God had told him he was going to be king. In fact, Samuel had anointed him to be king when David was a much younger man. David's history from then on, as you may recall, but I'll perhaps just remind you a little bit. The prophet Samuel came to Bethlehem because God had told Samuel he was going to anoint somebody to be king over Israel who was a man after his God's own heart. Because there was a king in Israel, and this was Saul, and Saul was turning sour. He was a a king that the people had demanded and God had given them, but Saul himself was turning sour and not doing what God wanted. God wanted a king who would honour God himself as his own king. And so Samuel had gone to Bethlehem, and in fear of his life, actually, in case Saul killed him, he had found out David and at the word of the Lord had anointed him to be king of Israel. Now, of course, David was just a shepherd in those days, and he stayed a shepherd. So, God had told him that he was going to be king. But right now, he was a shepherd, and there was a king in Israel. So he would do his shepherding. By various means, and reading the scriptures, I'm not quite sure what came first. There are two different, two different suggestions how David came to meet Saul. One of them was that uh, he killed Goliath and was taken into Saul's Saul's establishment. Another one is that Saul Saul was getting uh, uh, going mad at times at night, and somebody said, "Well, there's a young man called David who's a great singer. He can calm your nerves." Either way, David found himself in Saul's entourage, God's way, perhaps, of training him what it's like to be a king. 
or in the court. David established himself while he was there in the king's court. He, you see, David, as a... Take this out. That's making weird noises to me. David, as a shepherd, had, uh, had to save the sheep from lions and bears. And if a lion or a bear came along and took a sheep, David, the shepherd, it was his job to chase after uh, the lion or the bear and rescue the sheep from their mouths. And if the lion or the bear turned on him, David's own words are, I would take him by the whiskers and I would do him one. So David, as a shepherd, was a very brave man. And as soon as he entered into the king's service, he was trained up to be one of the king's military men. And the king's son, Jonathan, it says that uh, his heart was knit to David and he loved David and it was greater than a woman's love. They were best mates. And they went out to war together in charge of Saul's forces. And David was a very successful leader of the military forces. So that after a while, Saul heard that the women were dancing in public and saying, Oh, Saul is wonderful. Saul's killed his thousands, but David's killed his ten thousands. Exaggeration, I'm sure. But Saul realised that David was gaining the popular vote. And his own son was David's best mate. And what's more, after their military successes together, Saul's son the future king, gave David his own cloak and sword and armour, the cloak being an emblem of who he was, royalty. And he gave it to David. So, David has been anointed by Samuel to be king, but he's just a shepherd. But now he's part of the king's court. Now he's a soldier Now the women in the villages are proclaiming him as a greater person than Saul in military exploits instead. And then Saul, getting mad at David and perhaps jealous, I have a theory about Saul, I'll just express it and you can disagree with me later. I think he had low self-esteem because when he was called to be king, he was discovered that he was a strong bloke The Bible says the most handsome man in the land and head and shoulders above everybody else. But when he was questioned by the prophet who made him king, he said, oh, why me? I just come from the Benjaminites. We're the least of the tribes and uh, uh, my family is the least of the clans in the tribe. And when they tried to find him so that they could anoint him as king, he was missing. He was hiding in the baggage. My feeling is that he was a brave man because he led the people out to war, but he was a man of very low self-esteem. And seeing a man in his own household rising in popular view to be greater than himself did no good for him. And for whatever reasons, he then began to pursue David. He wanted David out the way. We're now coming up to the place that we read at together. He put out words to all his servants. If anybody sees David, let me know where he is. I want to kill him. And David's best mate, Jonathan, the king's son, actually, they entered into a little trick together. 
to find out if Saul was really going to kill David and discovered he was and David then went on the run hiding from Saul we're almost at 1 Samuel chapter 24 now we're told here that Samuel got together 3,000 men to chase after David picked men from all over Israel David had 400 men because when he ran away from the king, he hid in a cave called Adullam, and blow me, all the people who heard that he was running away from the king, and who were also running away from the king, because they were in debts, or adulterers, or they were distressed, or the king was after them for some other th- reason, so we're told, they all gathered together with David, and he had 400 of them, and he became their captain. So now... 1 Samuel 24, we have the king with 3,000 men chasing after David, who is captain of his own private, disreputable militia to protect him. 3,400. David on the run. There is a very humorous bit in this story which I love. You might not think it's funny, but I do. It's the stuff of cartoons. While Saul and his 3,000 men are going round one side of a hill, David and his 400 men are disappearing round the other side of the hill. So that by the time Saul gets to where David was, David is just disappearing out of sight at the other end. And so it went on. Where is David? Saul hunted for David. And he always seemed to be a step ahead. But now, it must have been a very big cave, mustn't it? David and his 400 men. And Saul and his 3,000 men marching past. And the king, being very human, needs to relieve himself. I think this means he wanted to go to the loo. I've checked it out. (laughs) The Hebrew says... To cover his feet. It could mean that he was going to have a kip. But I suspect it meant that he was going to have a wee. Or something. (laughs) It might have been something. uh, Because I suspect that he cast off his upper robe. And laid it to one side. This, remember, is the robe which is the symbol of his royal kingship. The men, disreputable bunch, under the command of David, who's trying to make men of them proper men, you can get him. You can get him. You can make the promise come right now. And David was tempted, wasn't he? He crept forward in what I guess was have been a bit of an echoey place. A good guerrilla fighter, not making much noise, and managed to get to the discarded robe and cut the corner off it. And then disappear into the dark without the king even knowing. And then you imagine the story as I read it. Then it says his heart 
struck him. That's what it says. His heart struck him. Now then. In Psalm 23, it says, You lead me in righteousness. He leads me in righteousness for his own name's sake. So David, who has been promised kingship, the Lord is my shepherd. I'll let him lead me into this. I'll trust him for this. I am not going to take it into my own hands. God knows how to keep his own promise and his own word in his own time. And for the moment, Saul is king. And I'm going to do what is right because the Lord leads me in the things that are right. And Saul is the Lord's anointed. I may not like him. He may not like me. But for the time being, he is the king of Israel. And Lord, you anointed him to be king for the time being. I'm not going to set my hand against your anointing, Lord. And because he honoured God, who led him in ways of righteousness for God's own sake, David held back from Saul. It wasn't love of Saul. It was the fear and the love of God. So he received the promise by faith. But by faith, therefore, he walked in righteousness for the glory of God. And he trusted God. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, And right now there's 3,000 men and a leader outside waiting to get me. Even though I'm going to trust God. And in Psalm 59, which was written at the time when Saul first began to pursue David, we read this, Deliver me from my enemies, O God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who work evil and save me from bloodthirsty man. For behold, they lie in wait for my life. Fierce men are stirring up strife against me. For no transgression or sin of mine, O Lord, for no fault of mine, they run and make ready. Awake, come to meet me and see you, Lord, God of hosts, our God of Israel. Rouse yourself. David, the man of faith, who walked in righteousness for the glory of God, even saving the Lord's anointed who was after his own throat, lived out his life trusting God and turning it into prayer. You see it, God. You're with me. You understand it. I'm casting myself upon you. And when he cut off that corner of the robe and his heart was struck and then he ran out after Saul who's now disappearing back to to his 3,000 men and calls after him, what did David do? He didn't say, I I could have got you. 
he bowed down on his face and humbled himself before the Lord's anointed. Because God has his time and God has his ways and he's trusting God for his own life even against his enemies. A man of faith who walked in righteousness and a man of prayer as evidence of his own trust. Even though I walk through paths, I've only ever once feared death. And that's when they first opened up Romania. And I went out with a team of people there. And there were stories at the time, stories at the time, because Romania had been so poor, there were stories of local elements forming gangs of bandits and attacking western vans that were bringing relief. And there were, there were actually news reports of, of lorries that had been attacked and people who had been desperately injured because the needs of the people were so great that they were attacking. The first time I went, I remember sitting in a car park of a, of, uh, a big car park somewhere, sitting in the car and saying, God, you know the stories, don't you? And I'm going there next week and I'm not a brave man, but I think you've told me to do it. So God... God, I'm in your hands. Now, I was scared unnecessarily as it happened, but this is what David must have done day after day in his life. He's trusting God to fulfill the promise, which doesn't look possible right now but he's going to walk in righteousness and he's not going to have he's not going to pull down the lord's anointed who is in the place that god has promised for him and he's going to trust god and with that prayer every day god if this brings me near to death i'm trusting you please god i guess they'd say praying that prayer in sri lanka right now i guess they're praying that prayer in egypt I guess they're praying that prayer in northern Nigeria right now. And that's how David lived and trusted the Lord, who by faith received the promise. Now, I don't know what promises God has given to you. He has given a promise to me. I'm trusting him for it right now, actually. I don't know what promises he's given you. And I don't know how you expect those promises to be fulfilled. But you and I have to understand that his ways are not our ways. He doesn't do things in the way we do things. Why did he let Saul be king in the first place? God's wisdom is not a wisdom like ours. But if he's made his promises to you, 
then however desperate things seem and unlikely, whether it's in the home space or the church space or the work space or the family space or just in your own head space, if God has made his promise, did he not say it and will he not do it? But he does it in his way. And he asks us to pursue him with faith and trust and whatever the circumstances are around about us in prayer. Now David did become king. And there was a promise which he hadn't yet been made, which he would be made long after he became king. I'm going to tell you about that now, which is not related to 1 Samuel 24. It's related to David and the promises of God. David, when he was king, had a fine palace. He'd had it built for himself. And he wanted to build a fine palace for God, a temple in which the Ark of the Covenant could dwell, a home for God. He wanted to make a name for God in this temple. And God sent a prophet to him who said, Would you make a name for me, David? I'm going to make a name for you. I'm going to establish your kingship and your reign through generations. And I'm going to give you a kingdom, David, I've given you a kingdom that will never end. And David went to the temple. And, no, there wasn't a temple. He went to some place. (laughs) And he got down on his knees. And he said, Who am I, God, that you should honour me? You took me from the sheepfolds. You put me upon the throne. I am nothing. Who am I, Lord, that you should say to me, I will establish your throne forever? Now, David's son after him did become king, and his son after him, and his son after him, and so on and so on, down to the exile. And if you're not sure what the exile is, see me afterwards. And then there ceased to be a king in Israel. So what happened to this kingdom? What happened to this line that would continue forever? There ceased to be a king in Israel all the way down to the time which we've just celebrated at Christmas when one was born who was born in the family line of David and who was a son of God and a king of Israel, Jesus, who, even though he was in the form of God, like David, didn't consider equality a thing to be grasped, but like David, humbled himself and became a servant, even to death. And these young people last week celebrated the fact 
of a resurrection. That he is now risen and alive and a king forever. A promise David didn't even know about when he was running from Saul was given to him and is in fulfilled now. David's line continues through the risen Lord Jesus Christ who actually is king of all kings and lord of all lords who is the giver and the keeper of the promises of God whom David trusts. Now then this king David was a forerunner of this King Jesus. Remember, though he was in the form of God, he didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but humbled himself. Well, like David, this is what the Apostle Paul said. You do Nothing from rivalry or conceit. But you in humility count others as more significant as yourself, just as David humbled himself before his enemy Saul. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but the interests of others. And when David did it, he was looking for the glory of God. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is also in Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, didn't count equality a thing to be grasped. The way David received his promises is the way that Jesus received his enthronement. And the way he teaches us to live and trust his promises is the way that David conducted himself and Jesus lived. Think about it. And God bless you.